Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 15, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This morning we come to a very, very important chapter in the book of Acts. This chapter is not only important in the book of Acts, but it's a very important chapter. Listen, give me your attention. It's a very important chapter in my life. It's a very important chapter in your life because this chapter, Acts chapter 15, deals with the all-important subject, listen, of what is necessary for salvation. What is necessary for salvation? You know, someone once said this. When God starts blessing, Satan starts messing. You ever heard that? It's very true. When God starts blessing, even in my life personally, Satan starts messing. Here we have in Acts chapter 15, at this point in the life of the church, God is blessing. God is doing a wonderful, beautiful thing as the gospel of grace goes to the Gentiles. But right about this time that God God is doing a great, awesome work among the Gentiles, preaching the gospel of grace, Satan is seeking to try to put people on a work trip. Satan is trying to put people under the legalism and the bondage of legalism. Satan is trying to get people to get down the path of legalism and trying to, watch this, add to the grace of God. Saints, listen. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And one of many But one of Satan's devices in his bag of tricks is to cause the believer, to cause people to add to the grace of God. One of Satan's tricks is to cause people to add to the grace of God and to add to what is necessary for salvation. Satan wants to taint, dilute, discolor, the sufficiency and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Satan wants to water it down. And it's not sufficient all by itself. Listen, the Bible is clear. Saints, listen to me closely. The Bible is clear. God Almighty sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible is clear that God Almighty watched his son be spit upon, to be beaten, 
to go through agony, to be pinned to a cross. The Bible is clear that God Almighty placed the sin of the entire world on his son. The Bible says that God Almighty looked down from heaven, saw his son pinned to the cross, heard his son say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God Almighty allowed his son to pay the price for your sin and for my sin. And for God Almighty to look down from heaven and watch his son go through all of that only to see us folks seek to add to that with some rituals and some rules. Saints, let me say, in my humble opinion, that's an abomination to God. For God to allow his son to suffer all of that only for us pea brains who think we know something, who think we can add something to the sufficiency and the power of redemption in the blood. And God says, listen, I let my son go through that. And after all of that, you need to know. That's all I require is what has happened through my son. And now we must take our faith and place it in what Jesus had done on the finished work of the cross. Somebody say amen. Amen. You understand. This is huge. And this is why I try to tell you that's just a little thumbnail sketch. But this is why I try to share with you that Acts chapter 15, ladies and gentlemen, listen, the stakes are high. The stakes are high because the decisions that are made in this chapter could have done one of three things. It could have split the church, number one. It could have limited the spread of the gospel, number two. And or thirdly, Christianity could have been, would have been, if decisions were not properly led by the Holy Spirit, the Christianity would have been dismissed as a quasi-Jewish sect. That's why the stakes are high. That's why this chapter is very, very important. Be that as it may, Acts chapter 15, picking up saints in verse 1, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. And certain men, in Acts chapter 15, man, that wasn't enough people with me. Acts chapter 15 in verse 1, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Much better. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, and this is what they said. Unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, what does it say, saints? You cannot be saved, they said. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas in verse 2 had no small dissension or dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. And so, being sent on their way by the church, They passed through these Gentile areas, Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, they rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them, and to command them to keep the laws of Moses. Now, saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Have you been with us on Sunday morning? If you have, you know Paul and Barnabas 
have completed their first missionary journey. And they have traveled through the region of Galatia. Galatia is a region. It's not a city. Galatia is a territory. Within the region or the territory of Galatia, there are many churches. So Paul and Barnabas, they complete their first missionary journey by traveling through the region of Galatia. And while they are traveling through the region of Galatia, are you listening? They were preaching the gospel of grace. Not the gospel of works, but the gospel of grace. And while they were preaching the gospel of grace, there was this group of men known as the Judaizers who were coming behind Paul the apostle and behind Barnabas and saying, listen, people, church folks, listen, I understand that we must be saved by grace, the Judaizers would say. But then they would say, it's not just grace only, but you also must become circumcised and keep the laws of Moses. If you understand so far, say amen. Amen. They were adding to the grace of God. Now, let's understand something here. These Judaizers, they were believers. They believed in the word. They were not unbelievers. They were misbelievers. And they taught you can be saved, but only after you've done all you can do to keep the law. So this information, understand, comes to the apostles, and now the church has to decide what course of action to take. And what do they do? They convene a council meeting. And it's at the council meeting in Acts chapter 15, verse 2, you want to notice that there was no small dissension or dispute over this matter. In other words, things were heating up. Folks were getting upset. I like to place myself in the Bible when I read a story. I like to just kind of, if I could, insert myself in the white space. And think about what it sounded like, looked like, smelled like, what they were acting like. I like to do that. And can you imagine being in a room and the Bible tells us that there was no small dispute, there was no small dissension? Being in the room with Jewish people and there was no small dissension? I'm talking about this was explosive, y'all. Because I don't know if you know, I've been to Israel five times. And, and I can tell you, Jewish people, whenever they discuss anything, it's always heated. Now, if you're Jewish, you know I love you. But, but it's heated, man. I mean, they get the, you talking news, weather, and sports, they get the yelling at you over in the clouds. I can't believe you think the clouds are so nice day out there. Let's bargain together. Let's, you know, save some money. Oh, sorry. I mean, there's no small, they just yell about everything. There was no small dissension. And listen, in this case, this certainly was a big thing. Rightly so, there was no small dissension because the issues that they're talking about goes to the, watch this, the core of Christianity. What a man needs in order to be saved. You got to understand something here, guys. Listen, you can't understand Acts 15 if you don't understand this. The issue is not rules or regulations. That's not the issue. The issue is salvation. 
what is necessary for salvation. The issue, salvation makes this issue legal. It makes it a legalistic issue because it relates to salvation. Not that they're setting up rules and guidelines. Legalism, if you've been around here, you know we've talked about this. What is legalism? Because honestly, when you talk about legalism in the church, people have real different understandings. Legalism, let me just give you a short definition. Legalism, what is it? At its core, legalism has the idea of earning God's favor by developing your own man-made rules and regulations to be right with God. That's legalism. It has the idea of earning God's favor by developing your own man-made rules and regulations to be right with God. That's legalism. Don't make the mistake to think that anything that is law is legal. Don't make the mistake to think that anything that has rules is legal. That's not true. You know, some people, they think if you tell them something they don't want to hear, that that's legalism. Listen, listen to me close. It's not legalism to tell someone what the word of God expressly teaches. It is not legalism to say to someone, you can't do that thing in the church and be in ministry here. That's not legalism. It is legalism when God's word does not speak to something and you impose your law on people and tell them that it is required in order to be saved. You impose your law, your feelings, your limitations, your convictions on other people and tell them that if they don't adhere to your limitations, convictions, rules, regulations, whatever, that they cannot be saved. That's legalism. And saints, I got to tell you, there is a lot of legalism in the church today. I am telling you, I am amazed at how much legalism there in, there, that there's in the church today. Everything from what you wear to church, somehow if you wear the right clothes to church, that you're going to be more right with God, you're more holy. We've all heard that. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. You ask someone to come to church and the first question they ask you is what? What do I wear? Where did they get that from? They got that from because the church has been so incredibly legalistic on people, imposing a lot of do's and don'ts and, and what and what nots and rules and regulations that people, even people of the world, even people who don't know God, feel that they're, the church is oppressive. The church is not supposed to be oppressive. People ask me, what do I wear to church? I tell them something. <laughs> Say Amen. Be a blessing. Cover that up. Amen. Say amen, saints. Y'all know what I'm talking about now. Just wear something. 
put on something, it doesn't matter what you wear to church. God wants us to come to church, not because of what we're wearing. Hey, Easter's coming up. Listen, y'all gonna go out and buy all them clothes? Take me with you and get me a suit. Because it's all about what you wear. The church imposing legalistic standards on people. Telling people, here's something for you. Telling people if you smoke cigarettes. I've heard this. I grew up largely in my first several years of a Christian. It was in a very unbelievably legalistic church. Where I have, I have been taught that if you smoke cigarettes, you are going to hell. Anybody heard that before? If you smoke cigarettes, you're going to hell. That you can't be saved. Listen. Listen to me close. I don't recommend Christian smoke. I don't recommend non-Christian smoke. Because it's just stupid. And because you'll have bad breath. And it will give you cancer. If you smoke, get a patch. Get something to help you stop. But listen, smoking cigarettes does not send people to hell. Amen, saints? You know, somebody once asked me one time, they said, you know, Pastor Ronnie, can Christians smoke? Can Christians smoke? And I said, look, let me, let me say it to you this way. I said, uh, some Christians love the Lord so much that they want to go to heaven sooner. <laughs> and so they smoke. The church has come up with all of these rules and regulations, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, can you know, I, I remember a time and perhaps you guys can relate to this. I remember a time and I think I've told you where women, it was in the church, women couldn't wear red. They couldn't wear red lipstick. They couldn't wear red fingernail polish. Can I get a witness? Anybody ever heard that? And if you wore red, get this, that's how silly this is. If you wore red, I kid you not, they laughing because they know. If you wore red, you were guilty of the blood of Jesus. This is what people have been told. And so many, many, many years, women didn't wear makeup. Now listen. (laughs) Ladies. Be a blessing. Wear a little makeup. Listen, I, I told you, J. Vernon McGee said this, and, and I, you know, I would never say it. He said, if the, if the barn needs some painting, paint the barn. He said that. I, I didn't say that. And women, for, I remember you, women, uh, it was another time, women couldn't cut their hair. You remember that? Even there's some cults today. And, and, and denomination today that women can't cut their hair. You don't want to cut your hair because you don't want to look like a man. And if you cut your hair, you're going to hell. All of these kinds of things. Can, 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 can you drink alcohol? And Pastor Rodney, can Christians drink? Can Christians drink caffeine? I've heard that. People will come to church here and, look, we got a cafe up front. <laughs> don't ask me that. What kind of question is that? You walk in the front door, we got a cafe there, and you come up, well, you know, Pastor Ryan, I learned that Christians can't drink caffeine. And what do you say? What do you think I say? Can Christians drink caffeine? Listen, God does not care. Look, I praise God for caffeine. Somebody say amen. Come on, lift your hand and tell them thank you. Thank you. I thank the Lord for caffeine. 
Some days I need it. But all of these things, the church, can Christians go to the movies? Can Christians dance? Should I go there? All right. All right, let's do it. Can Christians dance? Some can and some can. Amen. I can. Oh, y'all don't want none of this. Oh, yeah. You know, I was talking to my, my, my kids the other day. I said, you know, Christians need to be the ones having fun. Instead, what we are doing is we are oppressing people and telling people what they can't do. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. When honestly, none of these things does the Bible address. If you have convictions, then have your convictions, but don't take your convictions and tell somebody else they have to have your convictions. And if they don't have your conviction, then they're not saved. And that is what has happened in the church. And so you go to people and you say, hey, well, you know, I'm thinking about going to this church. And uh, what do you guys believe here? Well, let me get the, uh, the book. And they open up the book. And it's their standard operating procedure for their denomination. Well, we believe this. Christians can't dance. Christians can't drink caffeine. Christians can't dance. Christians can't have fun. 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 Christians need to be the ones showing the world how to have godly fun. Somebody clap their hands and say amen. And what's wrong with that? Fun? Fun? Christians and fun? Oh, I've never heard of such. That's the way people think. Man, when you come to church, it should be fun. Church should be a wonderful place to be because it's God's house and God is present. And what has happened in the church today, saints, listen to me close. The church has so much stuff piled onto Christianity that our faith is hidden. We can't even share the gospel of love with people and say, listen, God loves you just the way you are. You cannot just share and get to that simple message. You have to deal with all the extemporaneous legalism that the world knows about. And so they, they, you tell them God loves them. Yeah, well, what do I wear to church? God loves you. Well, well, what, what do you guys do? God loves you. Well, what about well, tithing and giving money? Well, God loves you. Well, you know what? I'm smoking cigarettes, and I don't know if I can go to church smoking cigarettes. Well, God loves you. Yeah, well, I'm an alcoholic. Well, God loves you, but I'm a crack addict, and the church is not going to receive me because I'm a crack addict. And so we spend so much time in the church just kind of digging through all of the stuff that's been piled on people before we can really get to the fact that, listen, God loves you just like you are. And you don't have to change before you come to church. As a matter of fact, come to church just as you are. Come long enough and watch God change you. Amen. Question. Listen, I'll wait. Listen. Do you fix yourself up before you go to a trauma unit? If you have an accident 
and there is a problem and you need a doctor, you need a hospital, you need a trauma unit, you don't fix yourself up to go to the trauma unit. You, you know what? As a matter of fact, let me tell you, if the trauma is severe enough, you know what you do? You don't care what you're wearing when you get to the trauma unit. Oftentimes, I used to be an ENT. I know we would cut clothes off of folks. Cut them off. I don't care what you paid for it. I'm trying to get you to the hospital where you can be healed. You don't try to fix yourself up before you go to the hospital. You don't try to fix yourself up before you go to the trauma unit. You go just like you are. And while you're there, you receive healing. While you're there, there's a restoration that takes place. And then when you leave, prayerfully, you are healed. Saints, isn't that the way church is supposed to be? The church is a trauma unit. Calvary Chapel trauma. I didn't say Calvary Chapel drama. (laughs) Amen. I said Calvary Chapel trauma unit. It is. It's a place where we can all come and receive health and receive healing. And it's the place you need to come for health and healing. I've heard of people who have problems and they stay away from church. Listen, when you have a problem, come to church. Well, I'm not going to. Worship God and be happy to be there. So, come. Because if you don't, it only gets worse. Come, and God will heal you. Come, and God will work in you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.